Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels, of Critical Care Podcast. And today we look at anaphylaxis. O's Manual 67 forms a basis for most of this, and in many ways this is really fairly straightforward. You, you give adrenaline and they get better. Um, however, once you get into the pathophysiology behind it, you do start to realise um, why immunologists are much smarter than you ever were. O starts with a few nice descriptions of what it is. So uh, an acute multi-system disorder with release of multiple mediators from mast cells and basophils. Usually this is a hypersensitivity reaction mediated by IgE to a foreign substance. The term anaphylactoid is reserved for non-IgE mediated reactions, though these still involve mast cell degranulation. And so the current guideline accepted definition of anaphylaxis goes like this, quote, it's a serious, life-threatening, generalised or systemic hypersensitivity reaction that may or may not be immune, i.e. IgE, mediated. Um, while of course technically accurate, this really doesn't help me very much in knowing what it looks like in clinical practice. So a better description for what it looks like um, maybe goes as follows. So anaphylaxis is highly likely in the following scenario. So one, an acute onset with skin or mucosal involvement, plus at least one of respiratory compromise or reduced BP. So for example, rash and shock or rash and shortness of breath means anaphylaxis. The term mucosal involvement here is actually really important. So that can mean, of course, the tongue and the pharynx, but also the rest of the GI tract. So let's say you eat a peanut and you get tummy cramps, diarrhea and a BP of 60 systolic. You've no wheeze, you've no rash. This is still anaphylaxis and should be treated as such. Um, second kind of main scenario you should think about it is reduced blood pressure after exposure to a known allergen for that patient. So you may have nothing else apart from shock in someone who's known to be allergic um, to a certain maybe foods type or a drug, for example, um, and that would be enough for you to make the diagnosis of anaphylaxis. The pathophysiology is mostly beyond me, um, but the predominant features are mainly histamine mediated and there is a release of serotonin and tryptase in addition. The precipitants can be split up into a number of different classes, so food to begin with is incredibly common, things like peanuts, crustaceans and fish, and while a lot of these can peter out during childhood, they certainly can persist into adulthood. Interesting, there is a food-associated exercise-induced anaphylaxis where exercise two to three hours after the ingestion of the allergen can actually cause the reaction. Drugs are incredibly common, and um, penicillins and cephalosporins would be the commonest antibiotics implicated. Neuromuscular blockers such, a, such as rocuronium are an important bogeyman in anaesthesia, and they may occur without prior exposure. However, if you only ever use it in the critically ill, then it'll be a while before you pick up a serious case of it, um, it appears to me. Given that in anaesthesia, you're just ploughing through so many more cases than you would do in the critical illness, you're much more likely to see this picked up in the anaesthesia land than you are necessarily in the critically ill. Um, NSAIDs and aspirin are certainly in the mix there, radiology contrast um, even protamine that's an important um, side effect of protamine times can be anaphylaxis um, chlorhexidine which is used um, by us in ICU when we're putting in our central lines used by the surgeons in theatre is a very common and often overlooked cause there are also kind of rare beasts of causes like mast cell disorders like systemic mastocytosis Tryptase gets a lot of attention, and not without reason, in both anaesthesia and emergency medicine circles. Um, peak levels occur about 15 to maybe 120 minutes post-event, and they decline fairly predictably, with a half-life of about two hours. This influences the timing of the sampling as recommended in the UK guidelines, with one sample taken as soon as possible, and another within four hours, preferably two hours, and then a third sample, um, a convalescent sample, either greater than 24 hours post-resolution of symptoms, or at the allergy clinic, which is critical that you refer them to. It is really important to understand that this is the test useful in follow-up to confirm the diagnosis and should not be involved in the decision whether or not to give adrenaline acutely.
Treatment, of course, is adrenaline. And the ALS guidance is all about the AM. I is the I am adrenaline. And this should continue to be the case. Though there is a caveat for IV adrenaline used by experts in quotation marks. O is quite pro. Um, O's manual is quite pro IV infusions. And certainly in the ICU and the operating theatre, this is ubiquitous. Generally well done in my experience. Um, O's manual also mentions things like vasopressin, glucagon, and even methylene blue as rescue treatments. But the UK ALS guidelines only really recommends glucagon for those who are beta blocked and vasopressin um, for those refractory to IV adrenaline. Another interesting point in UK guidance is an emphasis on lying the patient flat, reflecting the rapid and massive vasodilation that might be enough to precipitate um, loss of consciousness or even cardiac arrest in some. They, they are very clear in that medications such as antihistamines and steroids have no real role in the routine management of anaphylaxis despite their almost ubiquitous use. Finally, they quote a 95% survival rate for anaphylaxis-associated cardiac arrest. And while this may be contaminated by an in-hospital operating theatre sample where they have the anaphylaxis in front of a physician who already has an IV line and the appropriate drugs drawn up, um, it is still important to know that these patients are much more likely to have a good outcome than your typical cardiac arrest cohort. So references here, um, O's Manual 67 um, from the Archem Learning Podcast in June 2021. Becky Maxwell and Chris Connolly did a lovely coverage of the UK anaphylaxis guidelines where I picked up um, some of the little bits here. So thanks a lot, guys. And then finally, the Tasty Morsels of Emergency Medicine 105 from August 2017, which was my prior exam notes for the Emergency Medicine Fellowship exams. <laughs> 